Well, as always, church, it is good to be with you. Uh, My name is Tyler David. I'm the downtown campus pastor and one of the preachers here at the Austin Stone. I hope you guys had a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. If you're new and you're visiting, we're glad that you're here. Glad you're making it a point to be with us this Sunday. Uh, My holidays, uh, if you were wondering, hope you were, were awesome. They were great. Um, It was my daughter's, her second Christmas with us. And her first one, she didn't really know what was going on, but this one, she kind of had an understanding. She loved, you know, playing in the box of the gift that we bought her. That was great. Um, but we have more stuff than we know what to do with. But the best thing about having a kid, turns out, for the holidays is now you can have Christmas at your own home. Because I didn't know this, but now my kid, is, my daughter, is good leverage on my, my parents. I'm like, you want to see your kid open presents? You're going to come to my house in Austin to see it, okay? And it was great. So if you don't have a kid and you want one, they're pretty good. They're good leverage. So um, good parenting advice to start off with. Well, we're glad that you're here, and um, beginning of each year, we do something here at the Austin Stone. The beginning of each year, we spend time talking about the Bible. Now, we're always preaching from the Bible, but this Sunday in particular, and every year we do this, we want to talk about the Bible. We want to recommit ourselves every year to the study of the Scriptures, to the thinking on the Scriptures, to the obeying of the Scriptures. As a church, that's all we have. All we have is the Bible. And I want so badly for you to love the Bible. I want you to love the Bible because through the Bible, you get to know God. Through the Bible, you get to have your very own relationship with him. That you don't have to know him through someone else. You don't have to know him through a friend or family member, a parent or a pastor. You can know God for yourself through the Bible. This is so precious to me because of my own story in the faith. Oh, God saved me in a weekend in November right after my 18th birthday. And I remember that weekend, something in me was like, I have to know Jesus. I have to know this man that everyone talks about. But I remember coming home that weekend with a very distinct desire. I remember coming home with the desire that I wanted to know God for myself. I wanted to know God for myself. I didn't want to know God through word of mouth. I didn't want to know what you thought about God. I wanted to know God for myself. I remember thinking, I don't want to know God through my parents. I don't want to know God through my church or through anyone else other than the Bible. And I never really read the Bible before. I mean, I was in high school. I wasn't a Christian, so the only thing in the Bible I had read was Revelation because it was really cool and had dragons and wars and stuff. It's all I had read. And so I started to read it, and something amazing happened for me. I began to meet the God of the universe. I began to meet him and get to know him, and he was more amazing, more amazing than I could have ever dreamed. See, growing up, God had always bored me. He really had. I'd heard about him, and I was kind of made me yawn. I didn't really care. But as I read the Bible, he was coming alive. He was coming alive to me. He was more intense and more powerful and more loving and more in control than I could have ever imagined. I mean, he was blowing my mind as I read about him. He was undoing every stereotype that I had. He didn't fit in any box that I'd had previously for him. And as I read the Bible, honestly, it was hard to understand sometimes As I read it, some things rubbed me the wrong way, but it's because I was getting to know a person. When you get to know a person, something about them is going to rub you the wrong way. And if God is perfect and holy and eternal, I'd imagine something about him is going to rub me the wrong way. But as I got to know him, as I I read the Bible, all of a sudden I could pray to him. All of a sudden I could actually pray to God because I knew what he was like. I knew him as a person. He wasn't this vague God being in the sky that I didn't know much about. No, I knew him. I knew what he was like. I knew what he liked and didn't like. I knew how I had offended him and how I was hurting him. I knew his love for me in Jesus. I knew these things because of the Bible. 
And since I was 18, since I've known God, no one, no one has brought me more joy and more healing and more satisfaction. No one, no one even comes close to how much God has changed me and loved me. And can I just tell you, if, if not for the Bible, I don't know where I would be. I really don't. I have no idea where I would be because I can't tell you how often my mind and my thinking and my desires and my affections and my actions, how often they wander away from God. I can't tell you how regularly I wander away from God and the Bible is this anchor that brings me back, that brings me back to him again and again and again. Without the Bible, I would not know God the way that I do. So my prayer for us this Sunday is that in this coming year, that both of us, all of us, that we would grow in our love and dependence of the Bible because we want to know the God of the Bible. So here's what we're going to do with, with that in mind. I'm going to walk through three things. Three things that we're going to learn today I want you to walk away with. The first thing is this. God speaks through the Bible. He speaks through the Bible. The God of the universe, the God that's in this room with us, speaks through the Bible. And that when this God speaks, he expects to be obeyed. When God speaks, he wants us to hear what he has to say and then obey what he has to say. So we're going to learn those two things about God. And the third thing we're going to do is I'm going to walk you through a very practical way you can read the Bible. So if you have a Bible, open up to 2 Timothy 3. 2 Timothy 3 is where we'll be throughout the day. If you don't have a Bible, don't worry about it. We'll have the verses on the screen behind me. But this is um, Paul the Apostle's last letter to a young man named Timothy. Timothy is a pastor uh, at a church in Ephesus. It's in modern-day Turkey. And he is like a mentee of Paul. Paul had been mentoring him. He'd taken him on missionary journeys. Paul had poured a lot of his life into this young man. So Paul cared about this young man. And Paul knows he, he's in Rome. Paul knows he's about to die. Paul's aware that his, his time is coming to an end. He's writing this last letter to Timothy. And he wants to ensure that Timothy and his church stay faithful to God. He wants to ensure that they know who God is, that they stay faithful to the gospel, and that they advance the mission of God in this world. And one of the very last things, one of the very last things Paul tells his young mentee, the very last things he tells him is to honor the word of God. One of the very last things he teaches him, kind of a final parting lesson, he says, Timothy, the last thing you need to remember is this, that the Bible is authoritative, that the Bible is where you hear God speak. Look at 2 Timothy 3, verse 14. 2 Timothy 3, verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. See, in Paul's mind... In Paul's mind, if Timothy and his church and, and us in our church, if we're going to stay faithful to God, if we're going to not be deceived, then we have to know those two things, that God speaks through the Bible and that when he speaks, he expects to be obeyed. So let's look at the first one. God speaks through the Bible. Look, look at verse four, 14 again. But as for you, as for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God. Paul makes it clear that the way you hear from God is you read the Bible. 
The way you get to know God, his salvation, what he's like and what he is doing is by reading the sacred writings. See, Paul knows that our tendency is to move beyond the Bible. All of our tendency is to move beyond the Bible. That's why he reminds Timothy, Timothy, remember your own faith story. Remember the people that modeled it for you. Remember how you've known of the scriptures. Remember that. Don't move past it, Timothy. Because what was happening in his church happens today. People were moving beyond the Bible. They were thinking, okay, that's kind of, you know, first day stuff, but we're getting to the really deep things now. That people began to think, hey, we like the Bible, but we need more spiritual experiences, more spiritual knowledge. See, rarely will people, you or myself, deny the Bible. We won't say the Bible is wrong, but we'll begin to be enticed by things that are beyond the Bible. We think, hey, for me to really know God, I need to have this certain type of experience. The Bible's cool and everything, but this experience or this knowledge or this way is a deeper path to know God. And Paul knows this. Paul knows, and it's enticing for us too as you read the Bible, if your Bible reading grows stale. You're reading the Bible, you've been there, and you're thinking, I got nothing out of that. I got nothing out of that. You're praying, you're like, I'm just praying to a ceiling. I mean, I don't feel like anything's happening. So when someone says, no, you can really know God I know the Bible's important, but try to do this thing. Read this other book or have this other experience. It's enticing. That's why Paul's telling Timothy, Timothy, don't be led astray. It's the sacred writing. It's the scriptures that can make you wise for salvation. See, they're able to teach you who God is. They're able to teach you what he is like. Notice that he doesn't say, all right, Timothy, you want to know God, go look at a mountain. Timothy, you want to know God, you want to know his salvation, look at a mountain or look at some art or go to your family or go to your culture. He doesn't say that. Those are all good things. God can use those things. But what he tells Timothy is, Timothy, if you want to know for sure, if you want to know for sure what God is like, you want to know for sure what he is doing, go to the sacred writings, go to the scriptures. That's the only place he says you can know God. And why? Why is the Bible this special book? Why is it this book that is above every other book when it comes to who God is and what he is doing? Why is it authoritative? Why is the only way we can know for sure we're hearing from God? Well, Paul tells us because it's been breathed out by God. That this book is the very words of God. Paul is saying that the scriptures, that though they're written down by human beings, is actually the word of God. That God used human authors under different genres of of literature and writing styles and personality types and stories and cultures and time period. God used those things as the means to communicate to the world. That the Bible is the very word of God. We see this very clearly in 2 Peter 1. 2 Peter 1, Peter unpacks this for us. Listen to this. Peter says, knowing this first of all. That no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Men wrote down the scriptures. But every word they put down was exactly the word God wanted. The Holy Spirit was orchestrating all the writings so that every word that was put down in the original manuscripts was exactly what he wanted to say. The scriptures are the word of God. So what this means for us, and I've alluded to it already, but what this means is the only place 
The only place that you can know for sure that you're hearing from God is the Bible. The only place where I know without a shadow of a doubt I'm hearing from God is the scriptures. See, I, I know we'll have thoughts and we'll have feelings and kind of a sense or like a call that we think is from God. Like we think God is speaking to us and leading us in certain direction. And he may be doing that. He may be doing that. But the only way you and I can know for sure that what we're thinking and feeling, no matter how strong it may be, the only way you and I can know for sure that what we're thinking and feeling is from God and not just from a bad burrito that we ate earlier, the only way we can know is as we read the scriptures. is to ask the question, is what I'm thinking and feeling consistent with the Bible? Is it consistent with the God of this book? Is it consistent with his character and his nature and his purposes and his plans? Is it consistent? See, God doesn't lie. God does not lie. He will not say something to you that is contrary to what he's already said. It's not in his nature to lie. He can't do it. So if he says something to you or you feel something and you're convinced it's from God, but it's contrary to the Bible, it's not from God. The Bible is the only place you can know for sure you are hearing from God. That's why Paul tells Timothy, Timothy, stay near the scriptures. Be acquainted with them. Know them because they will make you wise for salvation. So that is the Bible. It is where God speaks. So God speaks to us through the Bible, but it's not just that. He speaks, but it's not just more information for us to know. No, he speaks to be obeyed. Look at verse 15. Verse, or 16, sorry. He goes on to say this. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That the man of God may be, may be complete, equipped for every good work. So the Holy Spirit wrote the scriptures for us to hear from God and then to obey what he says. The Bible is not simply more information for you to understand. It's not just simply information for you to understand. It's information for you to understand that you can then obey. You can then live in light of. See, the scriptures were given to teach us, to train us to challenge us, to rebuke us. Why? So that we can live more like God. So we can be his image bearers again and show the world what he's like. Paul finishes it with, it was given to equip us for every good work. So why are we given the scriptures? So that you could obey God. And this makes complete sense when you think about God's salvation. This makes complete sense when you think about God's salvation. See, when God saved somebody, when he saved you or me, he saved us into a relationship. Jesus died so that we could know God as Father. So now we have this relationship with him. And in any relationship that you have, any relationship, when you share information about yourself with another person, you're not just sharing information so they can know. You're sharing information so they can know and then treat you accordingly and respond accordingly. You share information about yourself so they can treat you differently in light of that information. If your spouse... If your spouse tells you, hey, when you joke like that, it really hurts my feelings. When you joke like that in public, it really hurts my feelings. They're not telling you that information so you can go, okay, noted, now I know I can make fun of you even worse next time. That's not why they're saying that. Just FYI, marriage advice, okay? That's not why they're saying that. They're telling you that so that next time you won't do that. You're telling them information so they can have that information about you and respond accordingly. If your roommate tells you, hey, it really frustrates me when you leave your stuff out. 
That means pick up your stuff. That's what that means, okay? You share information so the person can know you, but then know you and act accordingly. Uh, Historically, um, I've been pretty bad at this when it comes to giving gifts to my wife. I've been terrible at it, okay? I have this tendency to hear what she has to say and say, oh, that probably doesn't apply to me for some reason. And for Lauren, my wife, gifts to her are not about the gift, okay? It's not about the gift. I didn't know this. It's not about the gift. It's the thought that goes into the gift, okay? Some of you are laughing because you know. It's the thought that goes into the gift. It doesn't matter how pricey it is, how extravagant it is. It's about the thought that goes into the gift. It's the exact opposite for me. It's the exact opposite for me. I don't care if you thought about the gift. I don't, as long as it's awesome. That's all I care about. <laughs> December 24th, doesn't matter. Is the gift awesome? I'll take it. That's what I care about. So as you can imagine, we've had a little bit of tension when it comes to giving gifts. And by God's grace, by his grace alone, I've gotten better at giving her gifts, okay? This past Christmas was probably the first time I nailed it. Other than that, I've failed every time, okay? Because I would always get her gifts that it was obvious I hadn't thought about it a ton. It was obvious I had not put a lot of thought into it. And I asked Lauren this last week. I probably shouldn't have, but I asked her. I said, what was the worst gift I've ever gotten you? What's the worst one? I don't remember them because they didn't mean much to me. Remember, I didn't put a lot of thought into it. What was the worst one I ever gave you? And she told me she, it was a picture frame. And I'd forgotten about this picture frame. Um, probably blocked it out for good reason. But I got out of this picture frame, and you're probably thinking, it's a picture frame. How, how bad could it be? Or re- remember my wife. It's about the thought she cares about. It's the thought she cares about. And so she got it, and it, it's an okay picture. It's a picture frame. How good could it be, right? But she got a picture frame, but it really hurt her when she found out that I got it from my grandmother's attic as she was throwing it out. Okay? <laughs> I was like, oh, I'll take that news as a gift. It's the only gift that I got her for Christmas, by the way, because I'm a dum-dum. I don't know what to do. And so I take this gift, and I have no thought. I go, hey, you'd like this, wouldn't you? I thought about it for 35 seconds, and it hurt her feelings. Why? Why? Because she had shared information with me that in a relationship, if you love that person, you change in light of that information. The same is true for God. The same is true. He's speaking to us to his people, so that we would actually change in light of what he shared. That we would read what he said and say, okay, because God feels this way about this this particular thing in my life, I'm going to change now because I love him. So when you read the Bible, you're thinking about, how could I actually obey what I'm reading? See, this is where the Bible, when you read the Bible, it truly becomes spiritual. Okay, any educated person can read the Bible and have a general understanding of what it's saying. You reading the Bible and understanding what it is saying does not make necessarily you spiritual. It makes you literate. That's what that means. You can read. That's what that means. Bible reading becomes spiritual when what you're reading, you believe it. What you're reading, you enjoy it. And what you're reading, you try to obey it. That's when Bible reading becomes spiritual because it's a person you're interacting with. And you're learning about God and what he's saying. And you want to change because of what he's shared. See, God speaks in order to be obeyed. So those are two things I want you to know about the Bible. That God speaks through the Bible and he speaks to be obeyed. So the last thing before we, we end our time together is I want to walk you through a really simple tool of how we uh, read the Bible, the Austin Stone. So I'm going to get a nice little teaching tool out here. It's going to be awesome. Roll it up. Get ready to be bored. Um, I'm just kidding. Hopefully not. I don't know. We haven't done this before. Um, We'll use an acronym called REAP. 
It's called REAP. And it stands for Read, Examine, Apply, Pray. Read, Examine, Apply, Pray. This is how every pastor of our church reads, reads the Bible day in and day out. This is how we study the Bible. Because it's really simple and easy and effective. And so this is what I, I want to walk, uh, walk through this with you so you can see reading the Bible is not complicated. It really isn't. I, I think we kind of um, have a stumbling block of, well, I need more education or more experience or more knowledge to really know how to read the Bible. No, I'm telling you, you don't. As long as you can read, you can walk through this process. So the first thing we do is we read. Okay? We read the Bible. Now, before you even open it, so before this, maybe even a precursor up here, what we're going to do, you probably can't read this, but I'm just going to... First thing you do before you even open the Bible is you pray. You pray. It's so important to do this before you open the Bible. Here's why. When you pray before you open the Bible, you're reminding yourself, oh, this is a person I'm interacting with, not just a book that I'm reading. I want you to catch that. When you're reading the Bible, it's a person you're interacting with, not just a book that you're reading. I do this every time before I open the Bible. I want to I remind myself I'm interacting with God, not just reading a book. It's, and honestly, I use it as a time to be honest with God. I can't tell you how many times that I, before I open the Bible, I'm thinking, man, I do not want to read the Bible at all right now. There's a TV show on I want to go watch. I do not, I just don't want to do this. I tell him that. I say, God, I really don't want to read the Bible right now. Would you change my heart? Would you change me that I actually would want to read this? And I ask him to teach me, to show himself to me. Do this before you open the Bible. Actually pray. So then you read. Okay, we have a reading plan. It goes through four different chapters a day from all over the Bible. If that's too much for you, then you can tone it down a little bit. It's fine. But that will take you through the Bible in a year. But when you're reading the scriptures, here's what you're doing. You're looking for one or two verses to stick out. That's it. You're looking for one or two verses. That is all you're looking for to stand out to you. I mean, you want to know all that it's saying, but we're going to concentrate on these one or two verses. So when those verses stand out, stand out, you write that verse down. Okay, you write it down word for word. And I know sometimes we'll feel like, well, should I be outlining this? Should there be more to it? I'm telling you, if you look at my REAP on my Evernote on my computer, it's one verse every time. Because I can't remember 18 things. I can't. I need one, maybe two to obey today. That's it. It's all I can remember. So you read. And then the next thing you do is you examine. Okay, you examine. As you read the text, you say, what does it say? Here's what you're going to do when you examine. Simple English Skills. If you've taken a high school English class, you could probably do this. You want to ask the question of the text, who is talking? What are they saying? Why are they saying it? Who is hearing this? Simple English skills. Don't get too complicated. Don't over-spiritualize this part. We as Christians do this a lot. See, as Christians, we love God. We love certain attributes about him. So what we do, we read a text, and it's always the same thing. This is about God's love every time. But I'll give you an example. If you read Matthew 23, you read Matthew 23, and the entire chapter is Jesus rebuking the Pharisees. And you read that and you go, oh, it's really good, really heartfelt. Um, It reminds me, it's talking about God's mercy. No, it's not. It's not talking about God's mercy in that text. It's not. Jesus called them brood of vipers, hypocrites, and children of hell. I don't think it's about his mercy. I don't. That does not, listen, it doesn't mean that God's not merciful It doesn't mean that he's not being gracious to them in some form or fashion, but I don't think that's the main point of that text. You want to examine what it's actually saying. So you examine what it's saying, and then last thing we want to ask the question 
as you're examining it, is about Jesus. The whole Bible is about Jesus. You want to ask the question, what is the thing that you're learning from the Bible? How does it relate to Jesus? How does it point to Jesus? How does it apply to Jesus? The whole Bible is about what God is doing through him. So a good question to start asking as you're doing this, as you're examining those one or two verses, is what does the truth in this verse have to do with Jesus? So you examine it, then you apply. When you apply, you're asking the question, is how are you obeying this? How are you obeying what you're learning? Are you actually doing what you're reading about? You actually have a story in your life. I would say when you're doing the application piece, think of stories. Think of actual stories in your life where you're actually doing it. So if you're thinking about, okay, the the main point, the main truth is to pray. That God listens to the prayers of his people. The application is, well, do I ever pray? You don't go, yeah, I always pray. Well, no, think of stories. Do I actually have stories of me going to God in prayer consistently? And you ask the question, okay, I'm not. What would it look like to be more consistent in prayer? Can I just tell you, if you do the A faithfully, you're actually asking the question, how am I obeying what God has said? More often than not, it's going to be a, ooh, I don't do that very well. More often than not, you're going to go, if you look at God's perfect standard, his word, in our lives, often we're going to fail. So when you're going through this, you have to spend time in this, during the A, is reminding yourself of the gospel. When you go to this part and you realize, man, I don't obey anything of what he just told me to do. Go back to the gospel. Remember that Jesus obeyed everywhere where you failed. That, he di- that you don't have to feel guilty. He died for your sin. He paid the penalty already. You don't have to repay it. That he's resurrected. He reigns forever so that we can know for sure that whoever trusts in Christ is loved by God all the time. All the time. So when you go through the A, you start applying it to your life. Take some time to preach the gospel to yourself. You and I are going to need it. And lastly, you pray. You pray. And the main thing you're going to do here is ask God for the Holy Spirit. See, when you begin to realize, okay, God, I, I don't love you the way that I should. I, I want to believe the gospel. You have to ask him, God, would you empower your spirit in me? Because you and I cannot believe what he's saying, love what he's saying, obey what he is saying without the Holy Spirit. We need God. We need him to teach us and to give us the power to obey. We have to ask him, beg the Father for the Holy Spirit. Can I just encourage you, as you do this REAP method, this is is it, simple. As you do this, write all of this out. It will obviously be more detailed than this, but write all of it out. I think for most of us, we kind of do the, we try to do it in our brains. We're like reading, okay, I'm going to go through the whole process in my mind. And then before you know it, you're thinking about work or next weekend. This is what I do. If I write every word out so that I can be focused on what I'm learning. If I don't write it down, I can't be focused. I can't really think through what I'm actually feeling, what I'm actually learning. So I know it may be cumbersome at first, but I'd really encourage you to write out this entire process, whether it be by hand or, or on your computer. It really helps in this process. So that's REAP. That's how we read this word where God speaks. And here's the, the best news about this. If I just went through this and you're like, I'm still, I have questions, I'm confused. We do this in community. You read the Bible in community. That's why we want every single person in our church to be in a missional community. To be in a community of people who read the word together. So if you don't know what the text means, you can ask other people. You can ask them to help you. If you don't know how, to, how this applies to your life, you can ask your community. You, you want to be held accountable to, ha- to actually obeying what you're learning. You can ask your community. 
as you're going on mission to make disciples, that's what we want, want every person to be in community so you can learn from each other. See, we want to read this Bible because in this Bible you get to hear from God. I want you to reap through the scriptures because you get to hear and know God. And I'm telling you, there is no one and nothing who will satisfy you like him. There's no one and nothing who can give you satisfaction and joy like he can. I want to close by reading to you from Psalms. This has been my prayer for us all week, that we would experience in 2013 what David talks about God's word in Psalm 19. He says this, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the hearts. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. And in keeping them, there is great reward. Let's pray. Father, I'm so thankful for your word. And God, how often I neglected, how often we treat it as secondary. God, we can get to it when we have time. We can get to it when, when we're not as busy. And Father, I just want to ask for your forgiveness. We want to ask for your forgiveness for all the times we have neglected your word. And God, we ask that you would give us faith to believe what we're reading, faith to be courageous and obey what we're reading. God, not so we can feel good about ourselves, not so we can feel like we're being some sort of good Christian, but God, so that we can know you. God, so we could respond to your love, so we could interact with you because you God, you're the only one who can satisfy us. You're the only one who can bring us the joy we're looking for. And God, you have given us a sure way to know you. You have given us your word. So God, may we be a people who cling to it. May we be a people who treasures it. Because God, through your word, we get you. God, this city This world needs your word. God, they don't need us. They need you. They need your word. God, teach us to trust you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.